All right, everybody, welcome to today's episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast, where Bronx tells you what he thinks of all the Super Bowl ads by himself. Then we're going to do a little buy, rent, and meh, and then I'm going to tell you some things that I've been watching. Hey, guys. (laughs) Yeah, so I got on and nobody was here after our last meeting. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. That happened to me twice. So the second time I just started recording the episode. <laughs> so I'm going to get the recording of just like. Yeah, I did the theme music and everything. <laughs> it's amazing. Welcome to a super episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast, and we continue one of our greatest Friday Night Movie traditions, where the episode after the Super Bowl, we bring on advertising titan, Mark Aronson, also known as Bobby Buttons, to break down the most important part of the Super Bowl, which are the ads in the ad industry and how that um and how that's playing out. But first, I'm going to turn to Becky. We were in a Super Bowl party together at the Joneses' house. Thank you, the Joneses, for hosting us. Becky, I want to start by complimenting the incredible spin on nachos that you made. Like, I usually make a nacho tray, but it's at most, to make it fancy, I add, like, beans. Right? No, yours, and you, you, here, like, I have so many, I have so much to say about this. Your nachos, it's maximum salt, which I do appreciate. Use like the saltiest Tostitos, and then but you use that. I use Tostitos. I like late July. I like uh, late late July. Oh, have you been using? I love late July. So you use um like the thinnest of the pre shredded cheeses, which I don't have a problem with. That I love. I love the nachos you make, but I like. I have a few criteria. One is I have to find whatever is going to be the thickest tortilla chip. Because it has to carry the weight of a minimum four cheese blend, hand shredded for maximum meltability. And then we're going in layers. Yeah, your layers were really good. It was almost like I was eating like tiny little crispy quesadillas with yeah. beans and vegetables. Yeah, and I do I do, do my vegetarian. I do my vegetarian. Uh, not that we had to keep kosher with this one, because thank you to the Joneses. I could have made it non-kosher, but I like to keep my, my nacho situation vegetarian. And I make my own homemade black beans. It's a spin on mom's black beans, but I make them like those uh, are good because there was good protein. Yeah, yeah. That way, first of all, complete meal. You have protein. You have vegetables. You have grains. dairy. You have grains. This is a plant based. And you had and vitamin C because Becky brought a mango pineapple salsa that was mm-hmm. out of this world. Yeah, on the nachos. I- on no, the, no, no. I, I, so like the, you could dip it, you had choices. So I would like scoop it up and put it on so, Becky's nachos. It was out of this world. On the nachos are the beans, the veggies, the cheeses, and then everything else is on the side. The level of spice you want, the jalapenos, the multiple kinds of salsas, the guacamole, because Shai does not like guacamole, the sour cream, because I don't like sour cream. So, you know, modular. Yeah. So, and then, and then you can customize. Also, you don't want it to get soggy. 
You don't want it to get soggy. You know, I don't like it when you go to get like restaurant nachos and by the by the end they're just like wet and you need a spoon. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So I'm that's I'm a little bit satisfying. Criteria. I gotta say when they're like kind of <laughs> bendy and chewy. Bendy and chewy, I think is good. Yeah. I think when they're so, like wet toilet paper, it's tough. So I I really. I really enjoyed the nachos I made as well. That was all I pretty much remember from the Super Bowl was well, coming and eating well, trade my, nachos. My, my daughters watched the whole thing, even the overtime, which we suffered for the next day because they were so tired. But they insisted on staying up. And then the next day, they, the next day, my elder daughter sort of in a very wise, like she's now seen the world kind of way says, oh, I can't believe I stayed up for that. I realize now that the Super Bowl is just a regular football game and I don't get the usual insurance commercials that I like because my kids love the insurance commercials. They're they're like Liberty Mutual. I don't even know what Liberty Mutual was, and they are all in on Liberty Mutual. Anyway, so they, so that was the eat well no, Greg, there's someone named Greg, maybe, or Bert. I don't know. There's some like FBI agent looking guy. Kids these days. So, or Doug, whatever. Anyways, so let's start where most people start, which is the middle, the halftime show. Uh, keep it simple. Use the classic Friday Night Movie game, buy, rent, meh. Mark, did you buy, rent, or meh the halftime show? Um, I rented, I rented as I rent most halftime shows, I think. I don't, I don't, I was kind of in and out of it. And so I thought... Right, he he did what he does uh, really really well, um, and yeah, I don't I don't I don't have a lot of of great commentary to add on it. Okay, Becky, what did you think? Well, I didn't like I didn't sit and watch the whole thing, and I've seen some clips since. But like in my experience of halftime shows, and there's some halftime shows I have extremely strong opinions on. I will say, based on my previous strong opinions of what does and does not work, I feel like they selected the variables, like the elements that really do work for a halftime show, you know, in this case, um, especially having like the marching band, um, like good, but not over, not like too insane costume changes, uh, music that people our age actually will think is fun or funny. Um and and so I think like based on that, it's definitely up there for me in halftime shows. Um, and I think like one of the things that drives me insane with the halftime shows is like the weird mashups of artists they do. Like they're trying to cater to so many people. It just doesn't make sense. And it's not good. And it's just like, oh, let's jam everything so, so, in here. So you're happy they just, didn't like, like wheel Blake Shelton in to say No, no, like exactly. Exactly. Where they're just like, let's pick one algorithm and we'll go with that. And so I think like based on that, it gets a buy because they they chose a lane and then they just stuck with it confidently. I, I think it was fundamentally sound. I, 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 first of all, I was, it, it focused on the substance of it. There was, he's an amazing dancer, which I really hadn't thought about in a long time. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Usher or his music, uh, as opposed to some of my wife's friends who think about Usher all the time. And, uh, or they're my friends too, I guess. Uh, Dancing was out of this world. It was like a throwback to the Michael Jackson level of moves. The singing was great. Uh, uh, the guests made sense. They 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 were consistent with the actual performance. It wasn't like a random algorithm mashup. 
And the wardrobe stuff was cool, not over the top, but I did think it was funny. Mark, you pointed out this is the 20th anniversary since Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction that like ruined her life. And this is the second time since then I've seen a shirtless man dancing, right? Because we, we had Adam Levine that time. That that kind of sucked. Yeah. But Usher's shirtless dancing was fantastic. But it's kind of amazing to me that like, it, it's still, it's such a, to me, it's such a constant like, rubbing it in salt on the wound every time they do that um when you look back at how janet jackson was sort of uh punished justin timberlake was never punished and uh you know i just I, that always sits with me but i did buy it i thought it was fantastic and i couldn't tell you a single usher song the one song i recognized i thought was a weird al song because the only version that i've heard is this confession <laughs> song weird al has a confession song that is a parody of it i guess what about the one from hitch you love hitch i like hitch but i don't remember any of the songs this is a song from hitch uh, either way didn't know a single song thought it was great glad there was no like glad like paul mccartney didn't come out in the middle exactly. and sing exactly sing yesterday's or something like that exactly like it starts uh, to look like the what's up with that sketch on <laughs> SNL some years. This was good. All right, Mark. Well, what, one thing just maybe just worth mentioning halftime show wise is it in some ways it is a 13 minute long ad, right? Usher who, who is it advertising? Usher? Well, yeah, right. He's, he's dropping a new album and he got to basically be in front of the largest television audience Right. They estimated that he got between 50 and 60 million dollars worth of exposure by being in that. Oh, um, the amount of time. Because the, the NFL doesn't pay halftime show artists. In fact, many of them go out of pocket, you, you oh. know, to like over and above the budget for their, you know, wow. spectacle or, or whatever. So, um, right. There, there's that for Usher. And then uh, Apple Music pays, they, they did a five year deal. Which is roughly roughly fifty million dollars a year to sponsor the halftime show. Oh wow! Um, okay, kind of an uh, it's like an enterprise in and of itself. God. Oh, so that 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 is really interesting. Now, uh, a big game at at the Super Bowl, which I think is a good question for you in general, is this notion of all the celebrities. Like at the end of the game, towards the end of the game, they did like the rotation of all the celebrities that are that are there, and obviously there was a lot of Taylor Swift and. And although they didn't do it, I think, excessively compared to other times in the season. So I think they picked, they were like, I mean, I would have liked to see them when when something bad happened. I would have liked to see her more. But that, like, I don't know what her secret police does if she's shown in an unfavorable light on television. So um, I, I appreciate that. But I really enjoyed the, like, the sad looks, like the depressed looking people who are at this game because you know what they're thinking about right if they're not like super vips they had to walk through having gone to a super bowl all the lines and shit that you have to do to get into a super bowl and all i would be sitting there is thinking about how am i going to get an uber afterwards i, I so think stressed. i wonder if like those because i'm watching those celebrities be there i'm like do they even like they don't even seem like this is what they want to be doing that this game is important to them that they enjoy this i wonder if it's that free marketing thing you know, right, like, if it's like, oh, ugh, I have to go to the Super Bowl so that they show me on TV so that people remember I make music, you know, remember I'm going to be in a movie. And then you you show them and they just look so bored and miserable. Like Lady Gaga, 
looked like she was well maybe maybe she was just bummed because it was the chiefs and the 49ers because i bet she's then like why would she go like why would she go i mean a lot of business happens at the super bowl like major brands major advertisers all you know the big wigs of all those um all those things are there so it it could be she had an obligation or she felt obligated or it was important for her to meet Mm -hmm. this whoever and whoever person from Apple music or, or what, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes on at the Super Bowl. Okay. That's fair. All right. Now, speaking of work, this is one of your most exciting times of the year in your industry. What uh, I love to kick off with just like, what are the trends this year? What were the, like, I thought I saw some things like some themes, but, but you know that there are like deliberate themes being like crafted in labs somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> totally. Well, and, and sometimes they just come together, like, you know, to see, um, you know, and it gives you a sense of, of, uh, kind of where things are at, you know, in, in the industry to a certain degree in culture. And I think it's important to think about it this way. Like the Super Bowl is a reflection of where we've been, right? Like, because everybody started on these ads nine months ago or 10 ah. months ago or a year ago. Right. So so it's it's not necessarily indicative of like where everything is going, um, but but it gives you a, a sort, sort of a snapshot. So I think there, there's a few things um, that are that are worth noting. One is um, generally um, it seems like like the overall, like if you take them all in aggregate, the, the quality of the, of the creative and the quality of the advertisement is better this year. OK, like a couple, you know, when, when we talked right after the pandemic. It was brutal, and then the year after, like actually, it was worse. Um, and so, so it seems like actually now, you, you know, you've got some stuff that that feels like it's it's working mm-hmm. um, pretty well, you know, as ads. Um, another thing, you know, that just that continues to be a massive uh, trend is is celebrities. It's almost like uh, it it's almost like it goes without saying. There was a time where it was like, okay, that's going to be a very deliberate choice. And it's going to be really expensive, and so uh, you know maybe we'll use a celebrity. But now I think this year was over seventy percent of the ads um, wow. had celebrities in them. I mean, there were celebrities in the background, right? Like there were celebrities mm-hmm. that they paid them to show up to say one thing or hold a bag of chips, <laughs> or like uh, Jason Sudeikis has one line in that very boring soccer. Oh my god, I have thoughts on that beer commercial, and I'm like, how it costs a lot of money to get Jason Sudeikis to do anything, I assume. And then you're paying for him to say that one alert. Although I will say watching a video about a bunch of people with light beer and soccer, I was not interested in that commercial. And then I was like, Ooh, Ted Lasso. That's kind of how I feel about soccer. Okay. No, no, but, but okay. But that's my point. If you're putting the big, one of the biggest soccer stars on the planet in your commercial, but the only way people are going to recognize that this is like kind of even like about soccer or someone, maybe there's someone famous in soccer in this is because you need Ted Lasso to say a line, then your commercial doesn't work. If you need Ted Lasso to help people read that it's about a huge soccer star, this isn't working. Come up with a new concept. Was was the soccer commercial for the global audience i don't remember what beer it is it doesn't matter the point was that no one would know what it was about unless you had ted lasso there <laughs> why are you paying all this money for this huge i mean the, li- the little kids at our super bowl party were like that's messy that's messy i'm like what's messy 
<laughs> These nachos are messy. Yeah. Should have put the toppings on the side. Um, no, I, I think that's right. And I think actually like, because now basically um, almost 70% had a celebrity, almost half had more than one celebrity. Um, and, and so I think it's exactly like Becky is saying, there are some I think that used the weight of the celebrity really well. And then there are some where it's just like, this could be anybody, right? This is borrowed interest, basically, that a celebrity is here telling us about, mm-hmm. you know, Mountain They have Dew some or... Instagram followers. We have this in the budget. We couldn't get Henry yeah. Winkler. Yeah, like we, we can't go out into this game with nothing. Like, with no, like, we need it. It's just a right? It's almost like table stakes. Um, I think also, you know, just to mention, right, it's similar to last year, 30 seconds of airtime is $7 million. Oh, my God. This year. So, you know, and then and that's before you make the commercial. Yeah, that's just for the time. Right. And so um, there, if you're doing that investment, then you also need to invest to make sure the ad is good and noticed and, and all that kind of stuff. Often uh, it's it's really tough for agencies. Often they get they get a brief from the client that says, OK, we're going to be in the Super Bowl. And, we, and your brief is mm-hmm. top five USA Today ad meter. Let's do it. You know what I mean with it with that, and and so you could see like there was some um, MGM, for example. You know they, they made that ad with um, uh, Tom Brady was Tom in Brady. it, and yeah. um, Vince Vaughn was in it. Right, a whole, they spent apparently fifteen million dollars on the ad, like to make it because to pay all of those celebrities in order to capitalize on their seven million dollars of airtime of selling uh, of selling an addiction. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Although I did, I did do a little uh, DraftKings towards the end of the game. I really thought Travis Kelsey was going to last less touchdown, and I tried to put in like a last minute, like bet that would have, like for a few bucks, would have won me like three hundred bucks. But then uh, he didn't have my login, and it jammed, and I ended up just lose, <laughs> like not doing it. Um, wasn't a good. I guess I'm not a good commercial for DraftKings. Okay, <laughs> now, now there the the um. I don't know. The brands doing good themes seem to still be around. The one I highlight that stood out to still us still around, but it's less heavy handed. It's less heavy handed. But Hellman's did, uh, you know, uh, no food waste day is there is their I day was, they're creating. I was fine with their commercial until Kate McKinnon ate a spoonful of Hellman's, and then well, I, I, I wanted I, to I, gag and throw up all over. The nacho plate. That I, I, first of all, I have eaten a spoonful of. Oh my God. Food. Don't eat. Why are you doing that? And, but I also want to shout out to our friend Katie, whose nonprofit, the Food Recovery Network, is the partner for Hellman's on that project. So they didn't, they didn't get their brand in the, in the commercial, but they're the ones actually doing the food recovery with Hellman's. And, and it is kind of interesting that the biggest food waste day of the year is the day after the Super Bowl, apparently. Just people throwing out nachos i guess and wings and stuff but yeah what's your take on that it seems like there there was less although it still exists much much less there was there was a time and you know that is indicative of of, you know big trend in 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 the industry um and so um there was a time you know call it five years ago roughly where quote-unquote purpose was the the most important thing that mm-hmm. that that you know a brand could have like you know that the brand has a purpose in the lives of its uh 
consumers or a purpose in the world. And that sort of, um, that got sort of way overdone to the point where it felt like every brand needed not just to have a purpose, but actually a way of doing good for people and for, and for the world and that, and that kind of stuff. And I think the aspiration is noble. I think nobody would, as a, as a person who's worked in marketing and advertising, you, I think you'd love to be able to do that, but in some cases it just, it doesn't make that much sense or it actually, it doesn't help you sell things. And it was interesting to see, um, it was interesting to see um, Hellman's there as, you know, one of the ones that uh, was out there uh, with that type of purpose, reducing food waste, doing good, uh, because Unilever, right, the parent company that owns Hellman's, that also owns Dove, that also owns Axe, that also owns, right, kind of half the consumer products you can think of. Um, and Unilever was was a famous kind of leader of establishing purpose for all the brands. That was a thing. Every single one of its brands had to be organized around a purpose like that. Um, and then they, they basically, um, you know, the share price um, had been taking hits and was languishing, you know, two, three, four years ago. Um, and one of their biggest shareholders, a guy named Terry Smith, basically actually used Hellman's as, as the example. And, and he basically, he said, you know, addressing the CEO of Unilever that it's ludicrous that a mayonnaise needs a purpose. Um, and, and so, <laughs> you know, he, he, he basically said, um, Oh, that's so cool. Then they sort of defied that. That actually, but their thing with food waste, it, it, it tracks. Like I, I see that and they can, through their advertising, they can create that connective tissue. I get that. That doesn't seem insane to me. I agree with that. And, and true. And in, in truth, it's actually changed the purpose because I, you're, mm -hmm. uh, you're absolutely right. Like it's a much better fit. It does track earlier on. And this is, I think even before, um, you know, this guy, Terry Smith had a whole issue about it and said that Unilever has lost the plot. They, they, um, earlier on, they established their purpose as like real food, right? Oh, real, right, right, and it's made with real eggs and they wanted people to plant urban gardens and like, right. you know, this whole, um, and so, so I think exactly to your point, um, they found something that's a, that's a, you know, a tighter connection and more intuitive, you know, yeah. product. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the. It's, it's also an easier call to action, the food waste thing, than like planting an urban garden. Yeah. Eat your mayonnaise so you don't waste food. I get it. Now, there, one other thing, just as a as a tidbit of interest, um, overtime is like a is like a whole thing for ads. Right, because um, this is the only this is only the second Super this is, Bowl. This is where, by the way, I do believe in the conspiracy. Is there like is there like, <laughs> like a this stock is where I'm not where saying people are like I'm not shouting and trading. I got seven million. I got eight and a half. Who's gonna give me nine? It's like an auctioneer stock market. I, I, I'm not saying it's like a government psyop, but I was there. I was like literally watching it, being like convenient overtime in this year of all years. The only thing we were missing was the Travis Kelsey touchdown, which I thought was part of the story. Right. Uh, it, I mean, it, it might as well have been rigged. Like I think CBS got an extra 60 or $70 million out of the overtime, oh right. God. For the, for the, for the spots. Oh and so God. it was, which, which, uh, 
contributes to a total, they were close to $650 million in advertising revenue from the game just for selling space. And so it's interesting um, what happened was it 2017, I think was, um, was the last time the game went into overtime um, and Fox hadn't really planned for it. So there started to be just this like frantic, you know, fourth quarter, uh, you know, like calling, messaging, right. To, to, to basically line up advertisers for the space that was going to go on in overtime. Um, and so like, you know, they were literally selling ad space as the fourth quarter was ticking down. They were like, we're, in it, you know, and so um, CBS this year planned for a contingency um, and, and what they do is they, they sold, you know, five or six or seven spots at a slightly reduced rate, or they sort of like pre-sold them. And then you obviously get your, you get the, the, the money back if, if it didn't go into overtime. Um, and then, so you could see like there were brands that were ready with that. Um, State Farm was one of the ads that went on in overtime. Um, and they had a 30 second version of the 60 second Arnold Schwarzenegger ad that they ran early in earlier in the game. So they were obviously ready for that. Um, but yeah, there, there's like a whole bunch of jockeying and stuff. So um, just thought that was, uh, that was kind of an interesting, <laughs> and it's like, I, I was, I was really curious about, you know, what happens if the game goes into overtime. All right. Now let's talk about, let's talk about the big anti-Semitism in the room. Uh, elephant in the room, the anti-Semitic elephant in the room, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. But this is the first time in my lifetime I've seen anything Jewish in a Super Bowl. Um, and a lot was made over Robert Kraft. I only saw one ad actually during the Super Bowl. It seemed that there was maybe two ads from the campaign that when we're just talking about the stand up against anti-Semitism, Robert Kraft, I'm not talking about the other things, I'm just digging in on that. Um, there was the commercial with the garage door that seemed to break before the Super Bowl, but then there was one with Clarence Jones, the speechwriter for Martin Luther King, that was, it was interesting. It was sponsored by Stand Up Against Jewish Hate or, or, or anti-Semitism, um, but it was a broader message about tolerance against hate. And I haven't read all the criticisms, but they're like, I saw, I've seen criticisms from like every possible angle of this ad it seemed to uh, upset everyone but on its merits i see i like the message i think it's interesting i like that know, that's what the choice they made was to include other people yeah i really agree with that um well it, it, it's sort of interesting like if you think about it from a from a strategy perspective in terms of what they're trying to do with this ad and how are, are they going to uh connect and 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 offer people a message against jewish hate Right. The, the garage door that you're referring to is older, like and it happened. It, it, it is aired kind of before. Um, and there, there's a previous iteration of the campaign probably almost a year ago. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And so it's interesting to me. It's a little bit indicative of the. Uh, and this might be just, you know, me paranoid reading into it, but it, in my mind, it's a little bit indicative of how far worse anti-Semitism has has gotten. Right. The garage door one is basically a message of like, you know, OK, you're, you, you know, go ahead, you know, say to their face, you're too chicken. Right. It's kind of, it's kind of a cowardly thing. Go ahead and, and, and own it if you're going to. Right. And help um, your neighbors. Exa exactly right. Um, whereas here, 
exactly to your point, they were linking it to a larger thing, right? They're not asking people because it's a hard sell now just to stand up to anti-Jewish hate. They're saying that's indicative of all hate, right? And, and it doesn't have a place. And so- Which some people seem to have mm-hmm. a huge problem with that yeah. notion, by the way. Yeah. Yep. That's been- and then, and then there are other people who I don't agree with that that criticized who I who I saw who I follow who who criticized the ad for being like all lives matter like white you know sort of like watering down the conversation and I think that's dumb I think I think yeah. the hate is intertwined and a big part of American Jewish history is standing up against hate in a lot of different places so for me I thought. It was safe. It was definitely the safest possible ad it could have done. But I think it, you know, what they were trying to convey was that interlinked notion. And I think that's the right kind of vibe. But it seems for some people it wasn't ethnocentric enough. And for other people, they were like, you know, well, they, they don't want they don't want Jews <laughs> in 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 whatever quarters they're in, including the one that's fighting hate, I guess. I don't know. Um but but that uh but I thought I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Um Me too. Me too. What what about you, Mark? Do you overall you think it was good? Yeah, I mean in in terms of um because this is right, also think about it from an executional perspective like where's the source of the drama going to be where you're up against tom brady and all these ads and all that right you still have to get noticed and so right there's a way of doing it you know like they did with the garage door one you know it's a vignette and it's dramatic and right but here you have um a very different way at it which i think is is more interesting right in in using this very interesting figure and then also Right, I I think it's a way of delivering that wider message, um, yeah, in a in a in a pretty and, interesting way. And people are in this together against hate, and I like that. And I admire the people who participated in this. Um, Clarence Jones for being a part of it. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like the biggest specific Robert Kraft fan, especially since he owns the New England Patriots, but uh. On this one, I appreciate the the message for sure. Yeah, I I respect him putting his, his you know, yeah. backing this, backing those commercials and putting them in there. <laughs> and if you'd like to make a Jewish movie for like way less money, way less you can money. give us a call. Also, uh, but also it matters that he, <laughs> it also matters that he made and aired these commercials during the Super Bowl, and he he owns a new he owns you know yeah. Odds are doing? the Patriots could have not maybe not this year, but in general. Yeah, and I, I think that you know, it's like, you know, this is his place. Yeah, his that's people. true. It's his, it's his house. It's the it same is. way I, I'm disappointed in musicians yeah. who didn't, who, who, who. Well, I'm not not in everybody who said nothing, but definitely in musicians who yeah. said things but didn't include sympathy for the actual kids at the uh the at Nova. the Nova at the Nova music festival, right? Like this is your house, you know. Okay, I hope that made sense. That makes sense. What I'm talking about like it's in your house. It's good to stand up in your house. And okay, now we've we're finished the serious stuff, and now I'm just gonna go down a bunch of different ads. I'm gonna pick off this list, my own list of notes. Um, get your thoughts. Uh, it's usual a buy renter man, but also love the analysis too. Um, let's start with Sunday Ticket. I used Sunday Ticket this year on YouTube TV, and I actually found it quite 
easy to deal with. I, I like. We're it talking a lot. about a commercial. There was a commercial yeah, where where they had all of the football players from teams that mm. were bird themed, um, acting like birds and like flying all the way. So like the Eagles were flying, and then the Ravens were sitting on a roof, and then the Seahawks were doing something. What what do we think of that? Is that I was didn't that, do that one. I sent that, the list, but I didn't. Was there too much thinking funny. involved there? <laughs> Well, I think part of it is it's an insider audience, right? You're okay. not going to, right? Like, you're not going to pay for Sunday ticket or be a buyer of Sunday ticket unless you know football and the teams well enough to get that joke. Okay, got it. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, okay, so it's a niche, sort of niche. I mean, it's obviously it's a, it's a pretty mass thing, but it, I think part of the intention there, even if it's unspoken, is like you know. A bit of a celebration of the of the fandom and, and knowing the teams. All right. Scarlett Johansson and Eminem's. I, I there was a lot of noise at that moment. So all I just figured I'm like, oh, they're bringing sexy back to Eminem's. Cool. But that's all I is that right? I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I didn't see that one either. I don't feel like I've seen any of these. But I've saw so many commercials. All right. Well, what what about what, their what, money? Okay. Uh Mark, what about the Dove Body Confidence commercial? Becky, did you see that one? I didn't see it, but like the Dove and the the Dove, like the evolution of Dove and their women's body, everything from like the original iteration of this 20 years ago where they were like real women or be real, but it was all like cartoon women. It was like, you know, Joan Jetson and stuff like that. It was like one of their first campaigns. And then like the the body diversity, they've been like, this is like a very big part of their brand, but I didn't see this one. Was it good? I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I enjoyed like this- it, but I, I appreciated that they were doing it. I, it's, it's like, it's a strange, like what, what Mark, what do people react to those kinds of ads? Yeah. That, that, I'm glad they're doing it. I agree. I think everybody, right. That, I think, I think people can really get behind that, especially that they've stayed committed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that dynamic is exactly one that any ad or any advertiser for something struggles with, which is right. They um, it was interesting the way that it started, right? Pratt falls, you know, the, the girls playing sports seriously and and falling and that kind of stuff, and then that as a juxtaposition for, um, you know, that's not why you get out of sports um, because you fall down or because you know, it's, it's harder, right. You get out of sports for a reason that most people kind of didn't even, you know, would never really think of, which is um, related to body confidence. And, that, and that's why you get out of it. And I think right for the drama, right. They cut and stayed mm-hmm. on a, on a girl, you know, looking herself for a while in the mirror. They re- they mm-hmm. really sort of held it. And I think, right. That, that obviously got people's attention, but it's a it's a tricky sort of feeling as you empathize with her or you feel uncomfortable, you know, on her behalf or or that that kind of thing. And so I think, right, in an atmosphere of, you know, Ben Affleck and all these guys, you know, you know what I mean? It it um it does I, I think it it right, it gives you the feeling and it grips you. The question is, does that work well? And so there's been all kinds of studies about, you know, how what type of emotional um, kind of impact ads have, and then and then what does it do for the for the results in the company? So, now, um, interesting. Okay. Um, 
Aubrey Plaza, Mountain Dew, watching with my kids. We watch Parks and Rec all the time. I like hated every minute of it. But then when Nick Offerman came on, the guy who plays Ron Swanson, my kids like cheered and that was their favorite ad of the whole night. I don't even it think they were. Like... Oh, they remember it was Mountain Dew. There's no scenario. And you know, I'll let my kids eat almost anything. There's a scenario where my kids are allowed to have Mountain Dew. That was not a good ad. Can we talk about the the Dunkin' Donuts one? That was one of my favorites. Dunkin' Donuts is in my top three of this year. I, but I want to like put a fine point on it, which is the reason I think we all loved it so much was because of Matt Damon. Oh, you think Matt Damon legitimized it? Right, because yeah. because you got Casey Affleck at the yeah. beginning, and you're it's like, not Casey Affleck. I watched it like four times. That is not oh, Casey. It's just Affleck. supposed to think it's Casey Affleck. It's Casey like Affleck. someone adjacent. I don't know who it is, um, but it's the reason we loved it so much. And we thought it was so good is because of Matt Damon being in there and being and 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 giving like the authentic, like making Affleck feel authentic because he's referencing their best friendship, and because of how terrible this commercial is. And so you're like, you're with Damon in it and he for sure legitimized it. He's the best part of that commercial. There is, I I think it's also like, you know, to the earlier point, it's a great example of celebrities in advertising, mm-hmm. right? Ben yes. Affleck is, is a known fan of Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. And that's where this premise, there have been other ads like this where he's like, you know, overexcited to be in a Dunkin' Donuts, you know, ad. And so I think, you know, this just start, the premise of this starts out great. Um, and it, you know, it's a great fit in that way. Tom Brady, why not? Um, it's also worth noting, um, Ben Affleck actually makes these ads. Like he, he directs them and his production company, like do the, you know, as part of a deal with Dunkin' Donuts. And so, you know, um, you can, you can sort of feel the, um, that he's look. the self-deprecating humor is great. Him and J-Lo, right? Him and J-Lo, him and Ben Affleck. Like, when you tie the him with either of those two people, right? everything is Like, more. you say it works because he genuinely likes this brand, and we all know that he's genuinely friends with Matt Damon, right? And so, yes. like, that's why. The only thing you're missing is, like, maybe so, like, some kind of weird Marky Mark uh, preview. Okay. No. Uh, here's one that I think, How do you for like me, I thought was, like, for me, I thought was insane. Okay, there's one I thought was I was watching this and I've studied political campaign history. The one with Kennedy kind of in the old timey Kennedy ads. I was watching this and I'm like, this is the bad Kennedy, right, everyone? Look, what is going on here? And also I asked myself, who is this for? People who remember the ads from the 1960s or people like me who studied political campaign history. And then it seems that he's already apologized for the ad. <laughs> like that's how bad the but ad went. It's, but it, it's nefarious. And in a way it's brilliant because yeah, the people who remember that ad, those ads or John F. Kennedy are the ones that vote. And so <laughs> okay. this is basically, they're out there saying, well, no, this guy's right. If you like John F. Kennedy, here's this guy. He's legit. He's just one of these Kennedy. Like you know, they're trying. They're tying that legacy. They're duct taping it onto him. And so yeah, I, you know, agree. There's like they're like duct taping a corpse to him. It was so wow. gross. It was like defiling. You know. Um, I I no I I completely agree with that. And I think right, he, he, you know, the apology did come out. He was he had to do that. He had to apologize for it. But um, I think I can understand where it originated from. 
right as a as a as a way of boosting this guy with with key independent voters. Now, did you, Becky? Did you see the commercial for Poppy? It was like a drink. Yeah. It was like Gen Z turned into a drink. Is that that's the impression I got? But is that just because I'm old? Yeah, it's like this is the only this is the soda that's acceptable to Gen Z. We're not going to drink your old boomer sodas. We're going to drink our whatever probiotic sodas, whatever the poppy does. I'm sure it does one of those things. I'm sure it has extra bacteria or fruit juices or who knows, right? Something like that. Mark, you're Actually, an expert on I beverages. I, oh. I definitely have poppies in my in my fridge, even though I don't drink sodas. <laughs> Totally right. And I, you know, I think the the feeling of it, the art direction, the way like all the way it all came together, it gives you that exactly like you're saying, Becky, that Gen Z kind of thing. But listening to it, I mean, they're basically like, you know, this is the this is the future of civilization right here. <laughs> um, and and they bought 60 seconds, you know, so that you know, that's really something. Um it's a lot of money. That's yeah, 14 million dollars of of probiotics. I don't even know if it's probiotic. I'm just I don't assuming. know. I'm just assuming Gen Z need um so they don't over, eat dairy well, anymore, so they don't get any of that like yogurt probiotics. So they just need to like put it in their sodas and their so, rice milks. So, so Uber Eats, I caught the end of this one and I saw Schwimmer and Jennifer Anderson. I didn't understand the plot because I only caught the end, but I was like, Oh, I like them together. That's fun. But they got into trouble before it aired. They got they got into serious well, trouble. Well, there's a peanut allergy bit in yeah. that commercial that I found like into, unsettling. Yeah, they That's got not into funny. There was big backlash. Like, come on guys, why are you still so dumb? How is there nobody in the room? Is there really nobody in the room being like, we have covered this as one of the things you can't be an idiot about. That right. has been covered. All right. I have two more I want to ask Mark about before he's got to go. No, wait. Uh, we have to talk about my other favorite. You've been talking and you keep mentioning ones. I want to mention okay, but, but Just give me a second here. I just got to get to this one in particular, and that is Bud Light, which Mark has commented on many times. This, oh, to, yeah. me, this to me was just like, the. it was like Bud Light throws a sausage party. It was like dudes... And mustaches, and I was like, "This now looks like Bud Light after the brand assassination, trying to recapture some magic in a way that is just dumb." I, I that's a perfect assessment of it. I think, right? And, and again, imagine, right? Nine months ago, when they were going to do, you know, it was it was even crazier. And yeah, it's a hundred percent, you know. Truthfully, I don't think, honestly, that people at Anheuser-Busch that work on Bud Light think there is a future for this audience. <laughs> I really, right? If you look at the data, if you look at any, but I think this was like the, it, it was important for the company to show that, yeah, we're not, we're not doing woke things anymore. We're, we're back for dudes. Um, and, and I, uh, truthfully, like, if you think about, you know, one of the spots we talked about last year was that Bud Light out with Miles Teller. You know, which was interesting was so and fresh. Good. Love that one. Inclusive, right? To think that they've left all of that sort of behind. They were sort of onto something. They've left that behind in favor, you know, of, of this. It, it's just, it's it's really a shame. All right, Becky, but your only, favorite. Let's have Mark weigh in on your favorite. Um, Beyonce and Tony Hale, Breaking Verizon. Brilliant. I right. It was it was incredible. First of all, because he's the ultimate personal assistant man from Veep. <laughs> So I a hundred percent believe, like believe him as her, as like being her person. 
And it was absolutely brilliant because it was a little bit self-deprecating for her. She's making fun of herself. She's showing she's a good sense of humor. It was ridiculous. It was sleek. It, it, it was creative. It was funny. I, I loved it. And he's so funny. He like grounds it and makes it somehow believable and she has great comic timing in this too she's fabulous people like hello let's not forget how she's she's also she's a great performer in every respect the the other thing i would i would add is that you know they found a way to thread the needle to make it you know actually true for the product and, and tell you right you can't break this internet like that whereas like, there's so many ads that were just like okay this is Mountain Dew Blast, and we're going to have Aubrey Plaza say blast 10 times. You know, this one, right, conceptually, they found a way just to make it work um, in, a, in a way that's really integrated and believable and, and a, you know, a brilliant idea. And how um, fun was that brainstorm session where people are sitting around being like Beyonce AI, Bar Bay, like thinking of all, Botus, like thinking of all the different <laughs> ways you could use her name. Like that must have been a really fun brainstorm. Totally right. And like you could see she had fun with it. It just, it was, it was letter perfect in my mind. One interesting one. And, and then, and then I got to jump is, um, and then Beck will close uh, up the, the Christopher Walken ad. I was like, okay, okay. Okay. And you know, that was one where the link was a little more tenuous. It's like all these people imitating Christopher Walken, which was funny, but, and then they had to try and somehow what get brand to like, was that for? for BMW. And it was basically oh, yeah, like, you can't, you can't what? imitate BMW. Did T-Mobile and nerds use the same slash flash dance imagery in the commercial? Like Jason Momoa dancing and then the, and the dropping of the water, like in flash dance, like is someone getting fired at nerds? Uh, doubtful, but they're for sure. Like, no, <laughs> I mean, nobody had any way of knowing that that yeah. even was going to be a thing culturally. Like, but but they're they're not that psyched about it. Um, All right, thank you, Mark, for the Super Bowl roundup. We'll see you soon, you guys. Uh, Becky, thank you, thank you, Becky. Now there were a whole bunch of movie and TV trailers. Wait, wait, no, there's something else oh. that's super random that happened to me that I didn't get to talk about at the beginning. Can I? Oh, like, okay, go. Without talking about it, so I'm doing my laundry. My laundry, me, my kids, Vlad two loads of laundry and I'm folding laundry for like an hour. And as I'm going through the laundry, there are like these three mismatch, so it's three completely different adult size socks in like adult size yeah. socks. Yeah, you sent me a picture. In my laundry. They were not my socks. They don't belong to me or Vlad. They don't belong to anyone in your house. Mom and dad were just here. Doesn't belong to them. What? How? Think what? Is what plausible explanation is there? There would be three completely different adult, not Your three dog pairs. Eats socks often. No, but she does. She eats them and swallows them. One, two. She doesn't bring them in from the home. Is she going into somebody else's laundry and stealing their socks? Why would there be? And there's not three pairs. It's like three individual ones. Uh, I, I just find I've it given incredibly you creepy. I find it no, it's not that, but I find it incredibly creepy. To just find do you like, think someone it's like do you think someone has taken the other pairs and they're trying to send you a message? I think someone was in my house and left their socks here in like a really weird way. Like I don't know why else would they be in my laundry. Weird. 
It's so, it's for some reason, it's creeping me out so much. And then I was like, I sit on my bed doing the laundry and whatever. I put everything Maybe away. Maybe you're being asleep. framed in like a sock. I don't know. Robbery. I woke up in the middle of the night and one of the socks was like on my face. I was very freaked out, but it was clean. That's right. Anyway, so that's a weird thing. That is super weird. Now, there were a bunch of movies. This is a movie podcast, right? A TV podcast. There were a bunch of commercials. There was commercial for Shogun. There's commercial for Monkey Man. There's commercial for... Oh, I'm for, excited for Monkey Man. For and Dev Patel directed it. Dev Patel uh, directed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ghosts. Ghost commercial was pretty funny. There was mm -hmm. a So Help Me Todd commercial that was pretty funny. Oh, we didn't talk about the State Farm commercial with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I love that. Was that. Great. that was that great. That was great. That was really funny, The playing with his accent. And yeah. All. That was cute. But which of the which so of that the seems to be in this? Wait, hold on. That seems to oh. be a trend: celebrity self-deprecation. Oh, that is a big one. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Celebrity self-deprecating. Um, so which of the of the you know upcoming movie or TV things did you were you most excited about? I'm 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 really excited. I think the trailer for Monkey Man is pretty badass. I think that looks like it could be really cool. I am very excited for the movie version of Wicked because my kids are totally obsessed with it and so anything where i can take them to the movies and it's not just like another whatever studio churned out cartoon but it's like a an experience a movie experience i get really excited for that i could do with them so i'm i'm yeah i am pretty excited for wicked and uh yeah sure to be some great singing with the cast they have right cynthia and revo and ariana grande so yeah. All right, yeah. very cool. I, I Shogun looks awesome. I'm, I'm really, I yeah, love that book. Cool. I'm jazzed about, I'm jazzed about like, do doing that that with today's filming techniques and, you know, anyways, the original one was cool. All right, cool. Well, with that, uh, happy Super Bowl season, Beck. Happy Super Bowl. Talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening to Friday Night Movie, the sibling rivalry and pop culture podcast. Join the Friday Night Movie family by following at Friday Night Movie on all of the socials and visiting our website, FridayNightMovie.com. Our theme song is by What Does It Eat? And make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>